0: Hey everyone, Basement Sports Podcast, actually it's number 33 and actually tonight we have a special guest, former Pitt starting quarterback Billy Stall, joining the panel here tonight. We got Duty, Wayne Wagoner, and Billy Stall. Billy, how are you tonight? I'm
1: doing well, doing
0: well. Good to have you on. Wayne Wagoner, Good to be, how are you, yes, man? Yes, sir. I'm great. Good, duty. You're all set. Got a beer? Yeah. All set.
2: What's up, my bitches? It's number thirty-three. We thought we'd end up with three or four,
0: <laughs> and here we are. So
2: here we are. 30, here we are. Thirty-three in.
0: And we're still we're still getting guests, which is which is a great thing. So, <laughs> Billy, we can't thank you enough for coming in and talking to us. So I'm just going to start things off, Bill. Let's we'll start it off. What in the hell happened on Saturday, Bill? I I, was,
1: right, I I lost you for about 30 okay, seconds.
0: Well, okay, so I, I want to start off here. What the hell happened on Saturday? I wanted to introduce this podcast and say, hey, Bill, Panthers are 4-0. What do you think? But no, they have to go into a pit thing and blow it against North Carolina State. So micro, microcosm, what the hell happened on Saturday?
1: Man, it was the details, the details. I mean, I, I you know, preparing for, for the podcast today, I am just going through just the box score of, of the game, and we crushed them in, you know, yards of offense. We, we no turnovers, um, you know, but when you look at the positional types of things, we didn't score touchdowns when we got inside that 25-yard line and into the goal, and into the uh, – uh, the end zone, that one thing that you call the red zone, yep. that you're supposed to come away with friggin' touchdowns, and you know that that's where you know I'm sure obviously we'll get more into that, but I, I found some little things here just based on the numbers of where exactly uh, the reason why we lost.
0: Well, I mean, let's let's go to that. Let's go to not being able to get the ball in the end zone. So there's three three games now, including. I most vividly to me the Penn State game last year in Happy Valley first and goal at the one this game first and goal at the one can't punch it in is it the offensive line is it the play calling what the hell is going on inside the five when it's crunch time when you have to impose your will on the other team and you just can't even get a quarterback sneak or any kind of penetration to get the ball across the goal line
1: See, and, and that's exactly it. Once you get down there, the field is minimized, the play calling, you're 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 limited in what you could do, but who gives a shit? <laughs> run it down their friggin' throat and tell them. Like I we my offensive lineman, and I and I completely understand this is a completely different team, completely different offense from what I was playing, but there comes a point when it's gut check time and I need to look into my lineman's eyes, my receiver's eyes, my fullback, and my, my running back and say, guys, we need one friggin' yard. I don't want three points. We have a great kicker, love him to death, but practice kicking on the sideline and stay there. We need six points and you have to impose your will as far as just getting one yard. And I really think that we, I'm not a big quarterback sneak guy when it's inches from the end zone. I need my running back coming downhill. And I'm talking I formation under the center, give them six yards to come downhill and smash someone right in the friggin' mouth, put their helmet right in between those numbers and get one friggin' yard. That's that.
3: Well, you know, you bring up a good point, Bill. There's different degrees of red zone. Red zone, you got the inside to 10 first and goal. When you're inside the one-yard line, the Matt Liner rule has changed that too. Now that you're able to push from behind, there is no excuse not to get one yard when nope. you can even line up a lineman or whomever to push that pile. You see it all the time now. Um, I, and it's just been a real weakness of Mark Whipple's offense these last two years. It's just poor red, red zone and goal line. I won't even call it red zone. Cause I consider that 20 yards in it, but goal
2: line offense has really been lacking.
0: Hey, duty,
3: go you know, ahead.
2: Greg, Greg, I texted you during those games. And what did I say? Field goals Shoot. get you beat. Yep. And when you get in that red zone like that, Pitt was spreading it, was spreading it out. It. Pitt was throwing the ball well they get down inside the end zone, and they go to this, uh, I don't know if you call it a tight formation, whatever it is, but here's what they don't do. if They go- they haven't been able to run the ball all year, not like Pitt runs the ball. Pitt could run the ball against Clemson when they beat Clemson a couple years ago. They could run the ball against anyone. This year, they're not running the ball, and, and I'm sure Bill will tell us if he thinks that's the line, the backs, or a combination of both here, but when they get in that red zone, They stopped doing whatever they did to get into the red zone. I'd like to see him spread it out, go maybe four wide, get two wide on each side, and then run the ball if it's single back. If not, do what Wayne Wagner says. Put an offensive guard in at fullback and say, look, here's the deal. We're going through 32 dive or we're going to do a 31 dive. It's right off the center's ass one way or the other. The quarterback makes the adjustment based on the defense. All he has to do is hit his right hip or his left hip, tell him which way they're going, and smack somebody in the mouth. But, Greg, you know, and, Bill, you don't know this, but I'm not a Pitt guy. I'm a Penn State guy. He
0: knows. I warned him.
2: Okay. I know so my problem with Pitt this entire time is their lack of physicality and their coaching – that game against Penn State when they had first and goal at the one and that freaking Narduzzi kicked a field goal, I, I no, don't tried want to – No, to kick a field, kick field goal. They They didn't make it. Right, they missed it. I don't want a coach kicking a field goal on fourth and one when it's the biggest game of your life, the biggest game of your season. Run the ball. If you don't make it, they got first down at the half-yard line and got to go 99 and a half yards. I don't like Narduzzi, just so you know. I think he's a bit of a coward. He's a little, he reminds me of Jason Garrett. I'm also a Cowboy fan. Jason Garrett would have attempted a field goal there too. And I would have drove me nuts. I probably would have thrown a water bottle at the TV. But (laughs) I don't like the way Pitt just changes their philosophy when they get inside the five-yard line. And it's game after game after game. And I texted Greg and I said, field goals get you beat. And they did.
1: Well, I'm going to jump in and give you some – give you the numbers – of the exact reason why we lost just going through team st- team statistics red zone scoring chances Pitt 4 out of 5 times yes we came here with points with yes. points NC State 3 out of 3 now let's go to red zone touchdowns NC State 3 out of 3 let's go to Pitt Two out of five chances, they scored touchdowns. I mean, not a uh, math whiz or anything, but three times six plus another extra point—that's three times—that's twenty-one points. That fourteen of those touch or fourteen of those points, we only got six because we we didn't score touchdowns. We got field goals, right? And that fourth and one, we didn't get anything out of it. That is the reason why we lost without even getting into the refs and play calling. That's with, that's just with what we put out on the field, what the coaches called and all that type of stuff. If we just executed the details, we could have came out with a it,
0: win. Is, Billy are the details that you talk about also the reason for the high penalties? I mean, it's a hundred. I think it was the number that I saw was 125 yards. I think in penalties. Yeah. I think 13, penalty penalty yards. 125
1: yeah, yards. There was yeah.
0: uh, that was more yards than any individual uh, Wolfpack player had in that game. So there were more penalty yards than yeah. any accrued yards that any player had. So is, is that yeah. what you when you talk about taking care of the little things? Is that part of it?
1: Well, absolutely, from a defensive standpoint, because and that's where. I'm like a couple bad
2: calls there on the defense. Say that again, there are a couple bad defensive penalties I saw that yeah. I thought were pretty ticky tack for what they called the rest of the game. But to your point, when you have kids in there, when you're playing in a game that's coming down to the final score, there are also some dumb penalties that were jumping off sides when you all you got to do is watch the snap of the ball.. Um, tackling a guy going across the middle when they weren't even throwing the ball to him, but the ball is in the air, so it's pass interference. It just seemed like they weren't really mentally into it.
1: Well, I, I think that, you know, to play off their point there, uh, I believe, I mean, it started from the very first quarter, very first couple series. NC State's offensive coordinator, and I, his name slips my mind right now, but he did a, like, I'm not the sore loser that's not going to give the other team credit when credit deserved. Right. Because right. I'm, I'm a realist. I, I understand there's a lot of other great coaches and a lot of other players, but he did an unbelievable job using our biggest strength against us. Yep. Our defensive line, our front seven, they have their tails pinned, pinned back, their ears up, and they're ready to go crush the quarterback. And I guarantee you they were planning that. And they said, oh, well, why don't we go ahead and throw them off the rocker a little bit? There's minimal fans or no fans, minimal people in the stadium. They're going to hear our stuff. So why don't we mess with them with our cadence, make sure that they know we set the tone early as far as the claps. We're going to fake clap, have the sound, not snap the ball. All those types of things threw us off and then – for the rest of the game, you're thinking, okay, well, I can't just, I can't just wait, you know, wait for the, 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 uh, the, the play to be, I have to actually pay attention and like, okay, are they going on two? Or are they going on one? Now we're a split split second, not as quick off the ball as we were the last three games leading the country in sacks. So that, well, and, the,
2: and the, to piggyback that point, the first two series, they did a a few uh, quick screens, wide receiver quick screens to get the ball out. And I think they, Dan, uh, the second play of the game, I think, or third, they ran a running back screen when Pittsburgh had a jailbreak blitz on, and they were coming Mm -hmm. at him with everything they got, and he threw it right over the top for 30 yards. Um, He did have a great game plan coming against them. Greg and I have spent the entire year saying how good Pitt's defense, top five defense in the country. And I still think they're a good defense, but – Uh, I do you got to give them credit because uh, they did not get pressure on the NC state quarterback all day.
3: Yep. So so I'm going to take a little different angle, Billy, and you would know this much better than me having played as a player. I'm seeing a lack of leadership on that team. I thought they came into that game, possibly looking at their press clippings and weren't ready to play that game right from the beginning. Um, I could be totally off base with that but I'm looking for leaders on that team to step up. Um, I didn't think they were ready to play on Saturday. Any thoughts?
1: Um, you know, there, there definitely needs to be, um, I, I'm, I'm going to say the coaches are definitely, you know, they're, they're 99.9% of the time, in my opinion, they're going to stress the appropriate things that you need to stress mm-hmm. on a week basis but I think what, what you're saying is more of a player standpoint. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there, there comes a point in, in a game where shit is just falling downhill. We're getting off sides. We're getting those, um, what, what I definitely want to talk about a little bit later is where I think some of the, the weaknesses that were exposed, those, those fifty-fifty balls, those one-on-one balls, you, you can't leave that up to the ref to make a call and you can't bank on that call either. Right. You have to play defense, but my point is at some point in time you have to weather the storm a little bit. Mm-hmm. To understand that our our game plan at that at that time might not necessarily be the best thing for what they're doing and it's not even scheme wise for as an offensive they're literally we can't tee off on the quarterback we can't do what we used to do we're getting one-on-one matchups with guys that have five inches on us and fighting like hell but we're leaving it in the ref's hands so my point is a scheme needs to change on a defensive side to not put our corners in on a one-on-one island when we know that we're fighting like hell they're competing but I mean you got guys that are you know six four going on five nine
2: man to man all day. And hey that's, uh,
3: it reminded uh, me of the Virginia Tech game two years ago at Hinesfield yeah. when they did the same no. thing. They threw up those 50-50 balls. Man to all man, night long. they didn't
2: go zone, they didn't do a too high safety look. It was man to man across the board and because they were counting on getting pressure and they couldn't get there.
1: Yeah, that's exactly my point. Like we, we can't tee off on the QB. We can't do what, we use, what we're what we used to doing. Okay, well, let's play some type of zone defense. And I hate to bring up horrible nightmares of a 2009 December uh, Big East Championship game, but when you leave too much time on the clock in the fourth quarter versus, well, when I was playing, was it extremely talented offense in a quick scoring offense with Tony Pike and Marty Gillier and all those guys, but with a team that, you know, they're, they're not really known for their offense, but my God, they're dude through for 300 plus yards through four touchdowns. I mean, he can get the job done. He's a young guy, but.
2: He had a great arm. And
1: he was accurate. accurate. He had the timing the rhythm. And it's because of what we talked about earlier, in my opinion, the, um, the snap counts and things like that. But when you give them too much time and I, I literally thought, okay, they got the ball. There's not enough time. We're going to have to play our, our two minute defense, which is three double cloud, meaning three, uh, three safeties across the board, taking one third of, 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 of the deep part of the field. We're pressing the pressing the corners. So no one gets a free release as far as the outside guys, and we're playing Ben and you sure as hell better not get beat. Ben, don't break cuz that, that was the game. But yet we're playing freaking man, it was the same freaking thing when I when I saw a lot of me and my teammates careers pretty much go down the tubes when Tony Pike threw that touchdown uh, to Evans, which he wasn't even that good. He was just 6-6 and he made a hell of a play. Am I But did he
2: we were playing one on one man
1: versus a 5 8 corner. Mm-hmm. That's, those brought up the bitter taste in my mouth of that game. That brought up the memories of that game because it was very similar to the last part of the game. We're playing man, you get beat over top. It, it's just that should not happen. And I believe, I, I'm going to say that's a coaching thing because you have to call the right play. The players are going are gonna to run whatever play the coaches call because that's the that, that job. But at some point, you have to play zone. I understand the front seven or beasts, but they weren't playing that way.
2: You they weren't getting the home. Way.
3: Yep. And so, I think when you have two safeties like Pitt has, you've got two ball hawks back there. If you're playing in a zone defense, you're going to give them a chance to make a play.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you get, um, oh, geez, <laughs> our, our our big safety there, you get him going. I mean, he, he's a magnet for the ball.
3: Right. I think Hamlin and Ford, probably I mean, the best two safeties
1: in the country, I would think. Absolutely. I mean, Ford for sure. I mean, he, yep. he's a talk, yeah. but they were able to quiet him a little bit, you know, as well. And I, I think Scheme-wise, once we realized the scheme that we had practiced all week wasn't necessarily working for the best, we needed to make some changes. And I think an easy change could have been, let's let's give our corner some help, some help over top. At least, yeah. please do it on on a passing type of situation. So maybe the offensive coordinator for Kentucky State can say, okay, well they're going to give us some help. Now we might have to do a few things differently here or there. That's so help. Cool.
3: If you were the quarterback for NC State, would you have preferred throwing against a man-to-man or a zone in that circumstance?
1: You give me Doran Dickerson, Jonathan Baldwin, Mike Shanahan, man-to-man. Nate him man-to-man. Please, I'll throw a lefty up to him, and I guarantee they're they're gonna they're gonna come down with it. Right. It, it makes it gives you so much more room for error. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and especially those, those deep balls, just like the touchdown throw to win the game. Mm-hmm. doesn't catch that, where does that ball go? It goes out of bounds. Yep. You give your player a chance and when you have the height advantage, when you know that he's singled up, there's no help. I mean, you're, it's either a touchdown or you get another down. Well, and you know, they, they do, do it, it every
2: single week in the NFL. That's what the quarterback looks for. Every single quarterback in the NFL is taught. If you got one-on-one coverage on the outside, that's where you go mm. 90% of the time. Unless there's a guy and right open across the middle, then it's third and four. You go to that one-on-one coverage, and you're going to get a pass interference call. You're going to get your guy going up against it, or it's incomplete. That, that I'll put
1: work. money on it that NC State's. Uh, offensive coordinators, position coaches on the offensive side, said those exact words to their guys: "Hey, we're getting the calls. Keep throwing it to them. Yeah. Hey, man, they're keep playing, man. We're going to take it. We're going to keep doing it. At the very least, we're either playing the next down or we get we get a pass interference, and that's exactly what happened.
2: Hey, uh, yeah. I want to go back real quick, Greg, to ask Bill when you're Bill when you're a starting quarterback in, in major college football." And I'm going to go back to the goal line offense. I know that Big Ben calls his own plays, but when you're a college quarterback, do you call two plays in the huddle on a goal line? Or do you have – do the coaches give college quarterbacks enough uh, leeway to audible when they see the goal line defense when it comes to major college football like that?
1: I'll speak to my own experience. Uh, my My first year starting, I did not have that ability until the end of the season, till I gained that trust of not just playing well, but just mentally every day in practice, getting different looks and giving me the keys, so to speak, to do that in practice, to see if I could even do it in a game. Okay. Hopefully I had that ability, but to answer your question, yes, we, we would absolutely call multiple plays. And it, it would be very similar to, um, we'd have jumbo package, which we'd substitute our main, you know, Jonathan Baldwin and yep. Shanahan. We put our big guys in. That's why whenever you see you see this jumbo, jumbo, big guys, fat guys, get your ass in there. Now you're playing fullback. <laughs> now you're playing I
2: have to hit somebody. <laughs> I mean, you you practice
1: these things, but we what we're not seeing are the jumbo packages like that. But my point is uh, to answer a question. Yes, we would we call a few plays, and in my last year, I had the ability. Uh, Frank Cignetti Jr. gave me more than the keys to the car and had my back in whatever I did, and if he had to answer it to Wani. <laughs> so he always had my back. And, hey, had d-
2: it, and that was probably your best year, right?
1: Oh, without a doubt.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. When you got to read the defense and do your thing, it was so much smoother.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: I'm just wondering if they trust Pickett to do that.
0: Yeah, that was my I, que- that I was my question. So. That that was my question, Billy. Like Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett. Like, what do you see as far as his ability to make decisions? You know, I mean, him as a quarterback. He, I mean, basically it looked to me in a lot of ways, um there were NC State's defense was kind of daring Pickett to beat him. And he nearly did um he had big stats but you know uh, you know how he is as a decision maker how he leads the offense what are your thoughts of him as a starting
1: quarterback i'm gonna say one word i'm he's a baller yeah in my in my opinion i agree he's a that's that's my one word now i'll get on to more describing he's a hard-nosed kid he has the experience. He has the big stage experience as a young quarterback, which not very many quarterbacks are able to have that young experience on a big stage and come away with wins the way that he did. That are thing. Those are things that you can never simulate in practice. You can't coach those things. You just literally have to physically, mentally, spiritually, all those things go through it and. I believe now that he's a veteran Division one quarterback, he makes he can make all the right decisions. He can make all the throws. But I feel like there's times there's almost too much, not, not that there's pressure, but it's almost like there's too much expectation for him to make a play every single play. And that's where I think we, we can take a lot of pressure off that if we develop a downhill running game. Yeah. But.
2: Yep.
3: I mean. Perfect example, Bill. He's doing this without a running game. Yep. Nate Peterman had a great senior year because he had a running game to take the pressure off of him. And Pickett Absolutely. doesn't have that right now.
2: You the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, when you looked at NC State's defense, they didn't have six, seven in the box. They were dropping back, mm-hmm. playing some zone, making you hit crossing patterns. That was a pretty uh, pretty tight field. He was thrown into some tight windows because they were not worried about pitch running game at all
1: yeah. and and to speak to his his passing ability, I mean, he was twenty two for thirty nine with four hundred and eleven yards. And for a season, he's over sixty percent completion. You, any quarterback in my opinion, that's uh, uh, that is above that 60%. You're, you're doing good things. You're getting your ball to your playmakers. you're obviously completing completing the ball uh, but he, he needs he needs help and if you have and I, I know' we're not we're never going to be a balanced offense with, with, with today's football and things like that, but there's so much more uh, ammo to your arsenal, if you have that running attack, because think of, I mean, I I just go back to the touchdowns I threw. I mean, I want to say maybe a quarter, maybe 40% of them were play action passes. Yep. I mean, you have so much, you have so many more things that that you could do uh, for your offense and to a defense uh, to, you know, whenever you have, a downhill running game that you can that you can uh, you know tail it
0: off of. Wayne, when you talk about uh, uh, Peterman, uh, that was the last time Pitt had a tight end. I'm sorry, like I, 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 you know they, they I they mean look, they brought they brought end. in Lucas Crawl from Florida. Well, he can't get get out of the therapy tub, uh, so he's been hurt these past couple of games. They don't have a tight end threat go down the seam. They don't have a Dorn Dickerson. You know who, who who can who can take the lid off of a of a you know of a defense, right. and and that I think that hurts this offense too.
2: Well, Good listen. One it. of the things I wanted to ask Bill before we end this call is what this is the first year in probably I don't know I'm going to say 10, 12 years that Pitt can't run the ball down someone's throat, and I'm talking running the ball down. Clemson's throw they, they,
3: no, they couldn't this run last year dude either. this is two years now yeah two All years right, in a row So,
2: is that is that the running backs that they're bringing in or is it the alignment that are they're recruiting or is it just the offense the way that did they change something nah.
1: I, I think it's the it's 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 today's football uh in in my opinion to to a certain extent now granted the players have to have to they have the ball out whenever they have the opportunity but I, I'm just not a huge fan of first down, second down runs in the shotgun. When we know Kenny's not going to be that run, that that read threat. Yes, he can he can run the ball, but he is dangerous when he runs the ball when the pass plays break down. Ooh. Not necessarily, in my opinion, designed runs. Not you know they don't
2: run the read option with them.
1: Right. But that's, that's the act. That's my point. Actually, threat. they know he's handing the rigging ball off. He's his, 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 he he can literally just hand the ball off and just stand there. He doesn't need to carry out his fake. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's no fake. Now, if you go ahead and fake it and then roll him out and throw the rock. Okay. Now, now there's certain things, but I guess that that's the only way that I can see you can get a play action. Out of, out of the gun. Uh, I'm just very, uh, I guess. I guess I can say old school. I guess <laughs> with <laughs> downhill running attack of running power. I mean, we ran power 32 friggin times against the the team in Ohio that is that begins with a C, and they're not the NFL team. I can't <laughs> say their friggin name. But... <laughs> If they ran power 32 freaking times for 250-some yards. Yeah. Pass for another 260, 270 with a couple touchdowns. Like, you can't get much more balanced and dominate on an offense, like, than, than that. I
2: mean, well, to your point, I don't even care if the first two series he does the read option and he runs it or keeps it, and he doesn't even get anything. He gets a yard. He gets three yards. The defensive end has to see him run it a couple times, and it slows him down a step.
1: Let him know that exactly. Let let him know that you have that capability, so they have to. Even if he knows uh, uh, he's probably not going to do anything, but that that slight hesitation from that weak linebacker or that that defensive end or safety coming down trying to trying to blitz, that's mess up someone's blitz protection or a blitz assignment, and then that's where you lose gaps, and that's where creases happen and big plays happen. Yep.
2: Well, even,
3: even Trevor Lawrence. You don't ever think of Trevor Lawrence as a running quarterback. Right. He's a pure dropback passer. Clemson has incorporated more runs into their offense this year to keep the defense on us, and it's been totally effective. He's not going to run nice the ball
2: title
0: game, didn't he run for like a sixty yard uh, yeah, he yeah, out he out, outran the Ohio State secondary.
3: Yeah. 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 And then- yeah, and you don't think of him, he you don't think of him as a option, read option type quarterback, right. but it really puts pressure on the defense when you have that threat.
1: And it, it allows you to do multiple things with your passing game as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well,
0: that's true. So Whose dog? Whose dog is barking? That's mine. I knew it, Wagner. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, so barking at you, you, (laughs)
2: dude.
0: Hey, um, so I'm going to ask a general, broad, couple of general, broad questions about the program. Okay, is this is this as good as it gets with this program? is, you know, maybe an occasional coastal division title become the sacrificial lamb in the AFC, I mean, I'm i sorry, in the ACC no championship game. No, they won a coastal title two years ago, Go Duty, so I'm saying I know, I
2: won an championship occasional,
0: an occasional one. Yeah,
2: I won That's on what I'm I am saying. Super Bowl. That's what, what I'm happened.
0: saying. An occasional compete for a coastal, play in an ACC title game, and that's about it. Is that, you know, is in the current environment of college football, is this as, is this as good as it gets for Pitt? Because I remember, not about basketball, I got into a pissing contest with Bob Smyzik from the Post-Gazette online one time about Pitt basketball. And we were <laughs> talking, you know, we're, this was during the Jamie Dixon era. And he made the statement, Hey, Pitt fans, just be happy with making an occasional sweet 16. Because that's as good as it's going to get, and my point was, well, then why in the hell play the game? What? Why compete if
1: you that's have one hell of a recruiting tactic there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, light, so,
0: light. so light. my, you know, my question is like for the football program, yeah. and and look, I I have a reasonable Penn State fan here and a delusional Penn State fan on on this podcast. Easy. So you know, <laughs> what? what what can where could this program go if it was in the right hands? I like Heather like. I, I do I like yeah. her as a, as an athletic strike. I do. but where could this where could this program go?
1: I mean I obviously I'm a little more biased than our other two friends here. <laughs> I mean, until we become consistent, consistent in winning the games the way that let's say, our our other friends, <laughs> teams, uh, take we, care of business. Right. We know – now that I'm not playing more. you can literally look at a schedule and say, okay, win, win, win. All right, this one's going to be tough. I'm going to circle this one. Right. Okay. I'm going to circle, okay, when This team stinks. I should not play the fourth quarter in this game if right. you say – and we get consistent with winning the games we're supposed to and competing till the very end of the fourth quarter and coming out with some of these bigger wins, the non-conference wins, because we're, we're limited, obviously, and, and I, I'm sure that's your point with our, our division. We're limited by the top 25 team, the top power five type teams that are that we have to, by default, have to face. So that's where these non-conference games, I think, can really uh, ignite the stock of Pitt if we can uh, consistently take care of business that way. Um, But until then, you know, people are going to think, you know, hey, here here we go again, type of thing. And, you know, with, with... I'm going to say that, that negative aspect, but I'm going to continue to say one word and it's opportunity for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I am going to be chomping at the bit to see how that the first two series, maybe the whole first quarter is going to go against BC. And that's going to tell us a lot. Yeah. Right. Right. BC's hey, physical.
0: Go ahead. Wayne. I just,
3: I'd like to speak to that. Um, I think Pitt can be Wisconsin. As long as Clemson's in the ACC, it's like Ohio State in the Big Ten. You've got a team that's at a level that no one else is close to. And that's going to continue as long as they keep feeding players to the NFL, recruiting at the national level that they do. But Wisconsin every year seems to get in the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State. Beating them a different story. I think Pitt has that opportunity. They could be the Wisconsin of the ACC and win their division um, on a consistent basis um, and compete. As far as national titles, there's a handful of teams now. That's it. There's some SEC teams and Ohio State, and that's about it, um, the way college football is structured. The rich get richer, um, but you can aspire to the level to become – like Wisconsin is in their division in the big ten, I think Pitt could aspire to that mm-hmm. in, in their division in the ACC.
2: Wayne, we've talked about this on previous podcast you and I and it goes back to what Bill said. if Pitt can go nine and three, ten and two, nine and three, every year they win nine games. that puts you recruiting wise on a different level. Right, I don't know if they can beat Clemson consistently every year. We're not right now, obviously. No. But it's a, it's a, it's a circular. Everything comes around, it goes around. But Pitt's problem is, and we've discussed this: is a, the whippieal has really dropped in talent in high school football, which they get a lot of kids from at Pitt, and b, they will have a good year this year. They're going to be nine and three, ten and two with that defense, but then. They follow it up with a six and five or a five and six or a seven and four. Uh, one thing that Penn State has done really well, even though they're playing Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan's and stuff like that, is they win nine, 10 games every year. And that keeps you in the forefront. And Wayne, you and I have said previously, just be consistent, like Bill said. Win nine games yeah. every year, win nine games.
3: Win the games you should win.
2: Yeah. All right. In North Carolina State, they were, Greg, weren't they a 14-point 14 14 favorite? 14-point,
0: yeah, Pitt was oh, a yeah. 14-point favorite in that game. And I told you beforehand, I said, take North Carolina State, Pitt's going to win, but they're not going to win by 14.
2: I did, so. by the way, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for my commission from that.
2: <laughs> yeah, Well, you checks in the mail.
0: So, Billy, if, if, if this season goes kind of more south than what it expects, so if, if they have four or five losses in this year who's on the hot seat is hmm. it is it is it whipple is it narduzzi himself because i honest i i said i i i respect heather like she just doesn't seem very patient like she wants that consistency i mean she went out on the basketball side and got jeff capel you know right that was a great hire great hire she's
2: done a nice job in all sports
0: yeah and and you know if you look even at the non-revenue sports you know they they built victory heights they're you know the the soccer teams are in the top 20 the women's volleyball team was ranked in the top 10 all year last year now you know i you know you can say well it's this that and the other the wrestling program was really really good last year she's trying to build it you know all an all-encompassing build of the athletics of the entire athletics department. Um, but if it goes south this year, who's on the hot seat?
1: Well, to speak to uh, Heather Light, uh, with my connections at Pitt, um, high, medium, low connections, they everybody loves her. Everybody loves her. She's very, very, very well-respected. Uh, literally doing everything that she can in her power to get this university back on, back on the map as far as a winning program in, in all aspects, not just football. And you brought up a lot of great you know, examples of that, of, of what she's doing, uh, but the hot seat aspect, I, I like that Heather, in, in my opinion, I believe she's giving our coaches time. To get their guys, the way that, let's say, the other AD when I was there uh, did not give a certain
2: quick trigger of mine
1: (laughs) his fair fair chance of continuing to build on what he's already built. Uh, I am a big person of give the head coach his due time. Now, within reason, now, you know, obviously, four or five years of getting your recruiting staff, that is a long time. But, you Narduz, know, he's at that point.
2: Yeah, just going to say that, Bill. People, he,
1: he, he has his, what, four or five years or so? Mm-hmm. He has his people. Uh, I'm going to be very curious to see what happens, if that, that, that does happen as far as going downhill. Uh, but... I know you're going to, I knew you are going to put me on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the hot seat. I'm on the hot seat. Uh, but I, I think somebody ultimately somebody's going to have to answer those questions. And I, I know coach Narduzzi is never going to point fingers or anything. Uh, he's going to point that thumb right back at himself. Uh, so, I mean, ultimately we got to go from the top and get those, those questions answered. So I'll, um, redirect and uh I'll go around the bush on that one and hey, let and, me uh,
3: take let me take Billy off the hot seat. Right. There you go. Thank you, Wayne. All those sports that you mentioned, Greg, are very
1: on a daily basis. So <laughs> I gotta say
3: face, okay. Well, all the other sports are commendable, but they don't exist without football. Right. Pitt needs a salesman. They have to start filling the stands. Recruits don't come to a school, to a stadium that's half empty. And I blame a lot of the fan base of Pitt. We've had yeah, this we conversation a million I times, agree. Greg.
0: I agree. They, okay, have, they need a
3: salesman is who they need. They, this is – Narduzzi is Wanstead Part two. Very similar style, similar records – they didn't think they were getting enough. They fired Dave Wansted. They claimed he resigned. They fired him. Um, he at least had that NFL connection for recruiting. They need a salesman. They need to fill that stadium. They need to get people excited about pit football. It's the best bargain in town to watch tremendous college football. They need a salesman.
2: Why don't they go hire Urban Meyer for 10 mil a year?
3: They need someone to put life into the program beyond just X and O's. Uh, on the hell with being field. on
2: probation? We'll be on probation. Pick can be on probation two years after Urban Meyer leaves. Who gives a shit? We'll be back on the map.
3: Think, <laughs> think, Johnny Majors and Jackie Cheryl part one, right? Yeah. You need a salesman.
2: You know, I like Wanstatt. I'm not I know. gonna lie. No, mm-hmm. I I think if stat was allowed to coach, he'd have some NFL prospects coming to Pitt. That guy had a pipeline, and he could and recruit. He could, he could walk into he any could living room and yeah. say, "I know how to get to the pros. I've coached in the pros. I've won Super Bowls in the pros. I can. Get, I know. I can get you there. I love Wanstad.
3: Not only Wanstad, as a Penn State fan." Penn State can't hold a candle to pit for who they put in the NFL. Right. That is one of the greatest selling points to today's athletes. They need a salesman. I'm telling you, that's what they need. They need need excitement. They need to generate excitement about this football team and this town. And they need a damn media to back them instead of knock them. They
0: need need Lewis. They need Lewis Riddick. They need Lewis Riddick. I love watching Lewis Riddick on ESPN because every time they go live to him, he's got his he's got his pit helmet behind him on the shelf. And he put together a really, really great video at the beginning of the year. Billy, I don't know if you saw it. But yeah, he he put together a really great promotional pit football video. And Wayne, when you just said like they need a salesman, they need somebody like Lewis Riddick. Like, you know, I mean, he he's real he is like unabashedly unashamed pit guy, even yeah. on na- talking about national NFL stuff. He'll bring up the points you brought up about how many players Pitt has put into the NFL. He talks We're about, about, about hall PR. of fame.
3: We're not just talking about yeah, the hall of fame. Yeah. We're talking about some of the greatest NFL Dude, players of Marino. all time.
2: It was Dorsett. It was Marino. This is a program that got the best.
3: Aaron of Donald. The best. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Larry
0: Fitzgerald. Jared, yeah. Um. Dion. You, you know, uh,
3: yep. Thrill Shady. Rebus. Shady I mean, McCoy. Shady are, McCoy. These are top. You know, goats. They're goats in their, their position. You need to sell that. You got to get those st- stands filled, and you got to get a damn media to back. Their you got. You're local dealing programs. with
0: the. You're dealing with the Pittsburgh media, Wayne. They are, yeah. They're I'm a bunch of you, Greg, grumpy old fucks. You think farts. that goes on in the South? Hell no. <laughs> no, no. They're all
3: rooting. Wait, you, got, you, you think Ohio State's criticizing their players? No. no.
2: Look, Pittsburgh media is dominated by Mark Madden, who does everything he can for a wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a WWE background, and all he does is call people idiots, and he gets big ratings. That's it. That's the do- He dominates the Pittsburgh media.
0: That's sad. Or, or, Negativity sells it. But, but the thing is, they've, they've followed that up. And I, I went on a rant, Wayne. I don't know if you're listening to this or, Bill, you heard it. I went on a rant one day for about 10 minutes about how the local sports media and sports talk in in Pittsburgh has become the talk radio version of internet clickbait. All right? Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah. They'll, they'll throw a wise topic. Wise asses. A, yeah. A bunch of
3: wise asses. Yeah.
0: They'll they'll throw a topic out there. And, Billy... I know for sure there were a shit ton of writers in your time that were a bunch of wise asses that would write just throw shit in the in the Post Gazette or the Trib because they knew more people would read it, and it's the same way now in radio. Like you know, we're here on the podcast. I don't tell our audience one ounce of bullshit or something that I don't I don't feel. This is how I I feel, but I can tell you right now. I I know for a fact that there's a boatload of these people in sports talk and in sports reporting in in um in Pittsburgh. I'd love to give them truth serum. It's like, do you really believe that? I'm, I vented again. I'm sorry.
2: Well, it's, it's, <laughs> the bottom line is it's not going to say. And we're getting we're getting with almost an hour, so I want to ask Bill another question. And Wayne, I'd like your opinion on this too. Greg and I have talked about it. What's your guys' opinion on Pitt being in the ACC? I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous that they join a conference that doesn't even televise their football games in the local area. Oh, I get you know them.
0: I, I, watch them you on, I watch them on YouTube. There's a few couple of pirate channels.
3: I get them on fire. Uh, <laughs>
1: Ass. Billy, nice Russ, Russ
3: Jones comes over every Saturday to watch the Pitt games with me. If he can't uh, get them. <laughs>
1: Go ahead, Billy. Uh, I might have to
3: come join you. Come, <laughs> yeah. please, please do I've anytime. Multiple, I would love um, you to come. Bring your kids.
1: I've had multiple, let's say, not so nice conversations with Comcast, and um,
2: yeah, they don't care. I'm ready
1: to? I'm ready. To just ready to cancel it. You pay too much freaking money.
2: Right. Two hundred bucks a month minimum. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. And you're and you're. The dude had, I'm sorry, I, now I'm going on a friggin' rant. <laughs> the guy, I got so pissed off. The guy told me, no, I've been in sales and customer service for the last five, six years or whatever. So if somebody buys my product, okay, and we don't offer some type of accessory for that product, the number one thing that I'm not going to do is tell them to go buy someone else's product. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is what this goofball told me to do. He said, "Oh well, sir, we don't offer that, so it looks like you're going to have to go purchase uh, some streaming service." I, and, I, and I cut so, him off. I said, "Sir, tell me how much I spend every month." And then I cut him off. I said, "I'm done."
2: Yeah. It's but yeah. Sorry. What, what was your question again? You, <laughs> you, the overall joining the ACC uh, in Excuse all me. sports. Uh, I think I don't think they should have joined the ACC. I think they panicked a little bit when they went, they saw some dollar signs. Um, I think Pitt, Pitt doesn't play like an ACC team. They play like a Big Ten team. Uh, I think I would, Pitt for whatever reason, if you're listening for anybody, that athletic director, they need to play West Virginia and Penn State every year. How that stopped is absolutely asinine. Thank and you. Who's <laughs> to blame? I'd like to kick him right in the ball sack. <laughs> When I find out who it was that stopped that those two rivalries, three
1: non-conference games that should be automatic, automatic for the rest of time. Penn State, West Virginia, Notre Dame.
0: Period. Well, but 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 see, Billy, the thing is, and I, and I'll I'll say I'll say this, and one thing that I agree with what I hear from Penn State people about that is that. I understand why there are some Penn State people that don't want to play Pitt. I get it. They, in the current football environment compared to back in the day, it really does Penn State no good to play Pitt. Okay, In this, in this environment where we're at right now, there's, there's no doubt. There's no because the way I look at it, if Penn State beats Pitt, the national writers or people looking at us, okay, well, you know what? They should beat Pitt. But then, if they lose to Pitt, that can screw up their season, with the way the playoff is set up. And actually, four years ago, it did. I mean, if if Penn State wins that Pitt game, I think Penn State had a better shot at ending up in the college football playoff by the how, yeah. how their season ended. So mm-hmm. it, it's just it's a different environment. And and I you know if I had to pick one, in all honesty, for Pitt, I'd rather I'd rather they played West Virginia. Because here's, the reason, here's one of the reasons why. The younger people remember the rivalry with West Virginia more. There was a big yeah. gap between the times that we played Penn State. okay. But, but West Virginia was more recent. And, God, those games were fun. Holy crap, those games against West Virginia were fun. I think I
1: still have two things from my freshman year. I think I still have frostbite from when I went down there from my freshman year. And I think I still have a dent in my helmet from the battery that, that was thrown at my head. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the rival aspect. Like there, and I'm, I'm with you on that, Greg, you know, obviously more people, my generation, the younger folks, we we, we know that, but from a administrative standpoint, you're going to get asses in, in the seats for those games. And then bring it all the way back to where I was saying, if we can get consistent, then it's going to mean something when we play these
0: yeah.
1: states, Notre Dame, West Virginia type of, type of teams. But I, I'm, I'm with you it, on a Penn state standpoint. It's more to Pitt's benefit than it is. It, to it, it is. Well,
3: the other thing that's taken away from these rivalries is the, um, the, the um, drop-off in talent in Western Pennsylvania, you don't have rosters filled with kids from Pennsylvania anymore on either squad. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a big play. I mean, it used to be when that was a big rivalry, kids played together in high school on the same high school team, and then one went to Pitt, one to win Penn State. They filled their rosters with Pennsylvania kids. That's no longer the case. And that's taken away from it,
1: too. Yeah. I, I'm I'm too I totally agree with you Wayne um, I'm pretty sure my my senior year we had maybe 17 seniors and I, and I want to say maybe 10 to 12 of just the seniors were were, were whip you guys that I saw every every year at Metro index camp I yeah. see every year at all the teams seven on sevens like you know you just don't see that very and you don't see yeah. that you know you don't guys and guys you know you your typical guys that just want to stay home and you know be a, something or stay around the area but you you just you, you don't see you know pit and state with 10 12 15 whip your guys anymore like right
3: that. even the even the high school factories are gone there's no good kids coming out of woodland hills now like there were Talaquipa yeah. has maybe one a year where they had five, six, seven. Same with Woodland Hills. It's really dropped off dramatically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, we got a few minutes left, Billy. So we had a few <laughs> questions that uh, we're going to step away, you know, from Pitt today and, and go back a little bit. Um, right. Ask you some questions about the time you played. So I'm going to start off the list. Who was the best opponent you ever played? Who was the best team you ever stepped on the field uh, against? And they were just, they were unbelievable.
1: Um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm losing you a little bit. Oh,
0: who was your who was the be- who was your best opponent? Who was the best opponent you ever played?
2: Okay, I got you. Okay. Can you you can you hear me. Yeah,
0: I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we his get-
2: question, Bill, was who is the best team you ever played?
0: Hey, we lost, Billy. Let uh, wait, Billy, you there? Yeah. Yep. Okay, there you go. That's. I think we got a better yeah. connection now. Who was the best gotcha. opponent? Who was the best opponent you ever played?
1: Scheme wise, um, it was extremely. I, I knew it was going to be a dog fight every time we played these two teams every single year. It was West Virginia and Rutgers. They had West Virginia played that three-five-three three front that always gave you know communication problems for us. You know, always realigning the box and uh, different calls and different schemes to to do all that stuff. But and also Rutgers, um, they literally brought the house about second, third down. They're they're bringing the house. Uh, so that was always I knew I was going to get my. My ass kicked physically in in those two games every year.
3: How about player Billy? What any one individual player that you thought was the best person you played against?
2: We lose him. I think he's yeah. Back. He's going to. I back.
0: Billy, can you hear us? You got me? Yeah. Wayne had a qu- Wayne had the next question.
3: What individual player was the best you played against, Bill?
1: Played against. Um, does it have to be an actual opponent?
3: No, one player. Like one player that you thought was the best defensive back, rusher, whatever, linebacker you played against.
1: My my freshman, sophomore year, I, I was I a backup job. So I, I ran with second team, and then but we were, we would run blitz period versus second team offense versus first team defense. And I'm gonna—I'm not exaggerating. I want to say every other play, Darrell Revis picked picked off one of my throws.
3: <laughs> That's I mean, a hall of famer. That's a good choice. I,
1: it was there was nothing nothing that I could do. <laughs> I, mean, I I would think I, I threw it out early, you know, threw it, I wouldn't even take a, a hitch step. I'd, I'd get it out quick and thinking that I, you know, I got him, but one-on-ones were incompletion or, or, or pick. Or or he was jamming one of the younger guys and putting their, you know what, in the dirt. Rebus Island, right? Rebus Island, baby.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, so – who were your best teammates billy like who Who are the guys like you know that talented wise on the offensive side you just brought up darrell Rivas on the defensive mm-hmm. side but the guys who played in your offense with you those guys that you could count on all the time um who were your best teammates uh during your time at Pitt?
1: well i i have to start with my o-line because those guys would probably kill me if i didn't mention them first uh so I'm, I'm going to single out one guy that was one of my best friends, still is one of my best friends. Uh, we roomed together. We both committed to Kentucky together and then both decommitted and planted roots here in, at Pitt, and that was C.J. Davis. C.J. Davis from West Allegheny High School. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of those guys, super, super intelligent, uh, quiet, but, my God, you're, you want to talk about a man – amongst boys (laughs) he first came in I mean he was just enormous first off but when he got thrown into it we had we had a uh, injury John Simonitis uh, he almost broke his ankle and CJ was starting as as a true freshman at guard and then throughout long you know fast forward throughout his you know uh, college career he went from right guard left guard and then center and, my God, there was one specific play, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was it was a power or something where, where he was teaming somebody and going up to the next level, maybe, a, maybe you know, a zone play or a power or something. And the way that he would snap the ball and fire off, I still remember the moan and the grunt and the oh man, by that by nose from the initial hit, and I'm talking they're inches away, and I heard a you know smack crack. I'm like, how can you get that momentum and make that type of sound and literally make you know have the D, uh, the D lineman practically think that he almost died on the field. Uh, and there are a few times where I'm hearing him just destroy somebody as I'm seeding the ball and turn around to hand it off to McCoy or Dion Lewis, who I'm, those guys I'm going to talk about in a second. But uh, I got to start with the offensive line. CJ um, uh, was just mentally, physically, he, he he was a total package. And that's why he played center and guard in, in the NFL for the Panthers for a little while. Um, I, I mean, obviously, we got to talk about LaShawn McCoy. Um, any time that Booby Miles, we, we always mess with him, called him Booby Miles uh, for Friday Night Lights. Uh, but any time that he got the rock, whether it was in a running game or passing game, you better have your head on a swivel because he could cut on a dime and reverse field. And there was one there was one play uh, against, against Navy where I became the lead blocker. I threw a flare screen right to R. That was the, that was the play call. And you know, I'm just kind of just watching Shady do his thing. You know, I, I had the I had the best seat in the house, and sure as shit reverses field, and I'm like, oh crap! I I'm, I got to do something. I can't just stand here. And, you know, it, but anytime he had the ball, just his his agility and you know the acceleration from a start to go was just something i i've I've never been around before Mm -hmm. um and then you know dion dion i knew dion was special from the very first spring practice because he came in early and which was to his benefit and and that's why i believe he started over ray graham because they came in together quote unquote came in together as freshmen but dion came early and did all with us and got a lot of a lot of reps with with the ones, uh, but we we did a blitz, pitch and we were practicing against the double A gap blitz, and Dion was eight yards back. You know his, his alignment was he, his heels were at eight yards, and he had to come up and protect either that plus A or minus A gap, and he's every bit of just turning you know eighteen years old or whatever. But this kid is was fearless. And the first time that, that we ran Bliss period, he came up, stuck his nose right in Max Gruder's chest. He got ran over, but he got the block and we we completed the pass. Now granted that, that was just practice. But from that day on, we were like, that was one of those plays in practice where watching the practice film. You paused, you rewind, slow motion. Wow. Like coaching tape, this kid's 17, 18 years old. We can't even get 22-year-old, 50-year seniors to do this shit. But we got someone who's just, who's just, for lack of better words, just dumb enough to just <laughs> what <laughs> you're told to do. You know what I mean? And And I was the same way. I was just dumb enough to just do what my coach told me to do as best as I possibly could. Yep. And Dion was absolutely a phenomenal player, but uh, obviously his, his ability of running the ball and catching it was you know, one of the best, but from a freshman year, not even enrolled in classes uh, was just amazing.
0: Well, Billy, we've gone well over an hour and uh, we, you know, there's a whole list of uh, questions we could still ask you, but what do you say we, uh, Hold those for the next time you come on the podcast. We'd love to have you back. Absolutely,
1: yeah, great. We'll, we'll put a period on this one, and we'll we'll pick back up in the next chapter. How about that? Uh, Thank you. Very that's much. great. That's hey great Billy. Stuff, hey
0: Billy. Where can uh, where can people find you if they want to connect with you on social media?
1: Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, just Bill Stahl. You can find me on there. Um, Instagram, I think my wife changed it. I think it's at the Bill Stahl or something like that. (laughs) Uh, And my Twitter, uh,
0: B Stahl 13. Yep. At capital B underscore Stahl 13. I I got it it sitting here right in front of me.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well my wife's texting me right
0: now. Well, Bill, it was an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, it was a great interview. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it and can't wait to have you back. So hey, everybody, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Uh we'll
2: check it out. Hey, everybody, thanks. Have a good night. Thanks, Wayne. You thanks to you too, buddy. Bill, All right, thanks. Bye. See ya.